Let's begin with prayer. Father, I thank you for this season and the words which you speak to us as we enter the season of Lent. Help us to hear, receive, and have courage to follow the word which you have given us. I ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. According to the Jewish people, the Jewish tradition, the practice of using a lectionary, the set readings for every week of, of worship, this practice goes all the way back to the days of Moses, far before the 4th century. It goes back to Moses. Uh, whether or not this is true or not, by the time of the New Testament, by the time of Jesus, it is certainly a set fact that there was a lectionary where there were readings for every Sabbath day that were read. And the early church, coming out of this Jewish tradition, simply adopted this as what was done. And so the, the lectionary was there with the church from the very beginning. Now, of course, the lectionary changes over time. At the very beginning, they didn't have the canon of the New Testament. So as that canon was formed, this lectionary grew. And even today, the lectionary changes here and there, and it's been much changed over these last millennia. But even with this change, there are certain readings that have been there, that remain today, that have been there from the earliest time. And today's reading, gospel reading, is one of these that is a very ancient part of the lectionary that has remained. As long as there has been uh, a thing called Lent, which we know by the, at least by the Nicene Council, it was sort of canonized, if you will, as a thing the church should do, um, along with the Nicene Creed. They give us Lent as a, as a thing we must follow. Um, so as long as that has been a thing, the first gospel reading, on the first Sunday of Lent, has been the temptation of Christ. And this is a good thing, because there are certain things we need to hear at certain times every year. The same thing every year, at certain seasons, we need to hear the same word. And the church in its wisdom has said that we need to hear of the temptation of Christ as we begin the Lenten fast. Now there are many as, as, we, as we stop and, and think about why this might be, there are many directions which we could go. This is a rich uh, uh, subject for contemplation. The very basic level, we, we see a picture right, of, of, of what we're doing, and a small level of what we're doing through Lent. We're fasting. We're confronting sin. With the, in the end, as with Jesus' temptation of his fast in 40 days, with the end of, of, of facing the devil and gaining victory, over sin and the devil, which we will celebrate in Easter. But of all the things that I, I think I would like to think about um, today, I want to follow simply one thread uh, through the temptation readings today. St. Irenaeus famously propounded the theory of recapitulation of atonement in the second century. It's one of the early theories of atonement. And this theory posits that Jesus in his life and work summed up the entire history of mankind up to his time, only this time with things reversed, where humans failed and brought death and destruction, Christ succeeds and brings health and life. His temptation in the wilderness is a text that exemplifies this and is sometimes used 
in thinking about Christ's recapitulation of human history and of the story of mankind. Jesus, newly baptized and consecrated for his work, goes into the wilderness and faces temptation from the devil. And this temptation, I think, is a clear reminder, picture of the very first temptation in the garden. Only this time, Jesus is not well-fed and cared for in a perfect garden, but now he's in a weak and hungry state in the wilderness. Once again, this is a picture of how things have changed. A sign of the effects of the first Adam's fall that now the second Adam is dealing with. And so we see this temptation in which now the second Adam does not give in to temptation, but wins over it. But it is not just this story of the garden that we find in Jesus fasting and temptation in the wilderness. We also see the story of Israel here. The obvious is the 40 days in the wilderness, paralleling the 40 years of the wilderness and the temptations that Israel faced, not just in the 40 years, but through their entire existence throughout the Old Testament. The temptations Jesus faced reflects these temptations that Israel faced and succumbed to in the Old Testament. To complain, to grumble, and to rebel against God over a lack of food, we see that multiple times from Israel in the, in the wilderness. They, they value that food more than obeying God. And this is a constant temptation for Israel in their earliest days. And here we find Jesus being faced once again with that temptation to sin in order to get that satisfaction for his physical appetite. He's hungry. Will you rebel against God? Will you complain against God? Will you look somewhere else than to God to meet your need to satisfy your appetite? Israel said, yes, we will. Jesus says, no, because man shall not live by bread alone. The desire to relate to the kingdoms of the world, not as a kingdom of priests, representing the true God and spreading His worship, as Israel is called to do, but rather to relate to those worlds as simply one of the kingdoms of the world, engaged in struggle for power. Israel was tempted to do this. To gain mastery over the, their enemies by their own strength. To be just one of the kingdoms of the world. And in the process of doing that, they adopted many of the kingdom's evil practices, the idolatry of the world, the kingdoms around them. And to gain what they wanted, they were willing to worship the devil. This was a temptation that Jesus also faced. To look at the kingdoms of the world and to get them by means of worshiping the devil. Israel said yes to this temptation and Jesus says no. Israel later was tempted to presume upon God's favor and their place in God's work in the world as the chosen people. 
We have the temple. We have the feast. We have the sacrifices. We are the chosen people. God will take care of us no matter what we do. We can do as we please. We are the favored people. So Jesus is taken to the pinnacle of the temple. Satan says, cast yourself down. Presume upon God's favor. Israel said, yes, we will do what we want. We will presume that we are the people. We will take pride in our place. Jesus says, no. In all these temptations, Israel falls, and in all these temptations, Jesus proves himself Christus Victor. Christ the Victor, which for Irenaeus was an important title. The one who overcomes, the one who faces sin and death and temptation and says, it is not too big to face for me. I will come out victorious. I will overcome. And so he takes up our story in himself and conquers, and conquers on our behalf. Conquers not just as God, but as human. And he opens the way for us to conquer as well. Looking at it in terms of recapitulation, in some cases, we're tempted to think of Christ's recapitulation as largely focusing on the past, the story of humanity up to his time, reliving that story. But all time is brought together in Christ, not just the past, the present, the future. All time is brought together in Christ. And his temptation is not just a reliving of the past and this time gaining victory. It is also a looking to the future as well. It helps me to think of this by using a term that I will introduce now, a a word that we use commonly, but has a significant meaning sometimes in referring to God, and that is the word prevent. Prevent. As we commonly use it now, The word prevent means to hinder something from happening, to keep you from doing something or something happening to you um, that I do not want to happen. But the word actually has an older, an archaic meaning that is somewhat different. In its Latin roots, and as it was often used up till somewhere around the 15th, 16th century, the meaning of the word was to come before. And in many of our old liturgies, the, and in talking about God, it was often used to speak of God going before His people to guide and to help and to show the way. Matter of fact, you still, in some of the old liturgies, you still hear this word, praying for God to prevent us, asking God to prevent us, to go before us, to show us the way, to clear the path for us, to give us victory by going before us, to guide us. And in Jesus' temptation, He is preventing us. He's not just reliving the past, He's going before His people 
He's entering into temptation on our behalf. He is taking on himself the tasks that we, his people, his followers, his church will be called to. He's taking them on himself first. And he says, I will not send you out to do something that I will not do first. That I will go through first. And then I will call you to follow me. So he fasts, and he prays, and he confronts sin and the devil. He engages in spiritual warfare, armed with Scripture. And these are all things that we are called to do. And during Lent, we are called to do these all, at all times. But during Lent, it is a special time of remembering that task. Of remembering the fact that we are confronted with sin. That we are tempted. And that left to ourselves, we will fail. We will relive the history of the people before Christ, of Israel. But we are not called to confront sin and the devil alone during Lent. Rather, we are called to follow in Christ's footsteps. To remember His victory. To have hope in repentance. Because Christ has come before us and won that victory. His victory makes ours possible. His preventing us, going before us, is a way of Him preventing us, keeping us, hindering us from sinning. Both of those meanings of that term come together in what Christ does. He goes before and hinders us from sinning. If we will go through Lent remembering Him and His victory. It is easy to go through Lent by going up to the pinnacle of the temple and saying, I'm fasting. I have the fast. I am being a strict, being strict, holding strict to what I've given up this year. God will bless me because I am disciplined. Because I am holy. That is not the attitude of Lent. The devil didn't take up Jesus to the temple because the temple was a bad place. The temple was not a bad place. It was God's place. He took Jesus there, and he takes us there sometimes because it is easy to take good and holy things and say, I'm going to make them mine, and I'm going to take pride in what I'm doing because I'm holy. That is not the purpose of Lent. The purpose of Lent is to remember what Christ has done and therefore have hope that we can overcome our sin. We need not fear looking at them, remembering them. We can repent of them because He has given us the victory. So take courage that this is a good and holy time because what Christ has done going before us. In our in, our, um, in the Great Litany, which is one of the oldest parts of the Anglican prayer book, um, the Great Litany is a time of, of prayer often used during penitential times. We'll use it during, on Good Friday. We, we pray the Great Litany. And it's a prayer for God to help and deliver us. And one of the prayers as, as a part of the Great Litany is this line, By your baptism 
by your fasting and your temptation, good Lord, deliver us. By what you have done, by your fasting, by your temptation, and the fact that you overcome that temptation, good Lord, deliver us. Help me remember that there is hope in facing temptation. And that hope comes from you and the fact that you have won the victory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.